what it basically is, is this like beautiful, like leap of faith towards like, I believe this art is awesome and that there's an audience for it and it deserves to be created. And if you believe that too, then it can exist. And so Kickstarter is sort of this world where art can exist that would never otherwise exist. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm really excited to be here with my new friend, Laser, Melina Weber. <laughs> and uh, they're awesome. So they started a band called The Double Clicks and have written over three, or not over three, you've written three <laughs> billboard charting musical comedy albums. And yeah. in the process, have raised over $100,000, hundreds of thousands of dollars in Kickstarter campaigns for the music and have also helped other artists to make over $1 million on Kickstarter. And 100% of the campaigns that they've worked on have, have gotten funded. And so uh, today, I thought it would be a good idea to you know, maybe peel back the curtain a little bit and talk about the Kickstarter success that you've seen and some tips for artists that are watching this right now who you know, might be interested in running a crowdfunding campaign and, and are interested in learning more about it. So Laser, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here today. It is so much fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for, for chatting. I love talking about this stuff. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, so first question for you, I, I love to, you know, because we, we met pretty recently and we're still getting to know each other. And, and I'd love to hear a little, little bit more about your story, just how you got started with the double clicks and how you've been able to achieve this massive success on Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. So my band started as kind of a, a mistake. Um, <laughs> I... You know, I, I grew up really musical, but I wasn't intending to start a band, but I started writing angsty poetry and then picked up a guitar, realized it wasn't quite as difficult as I thought it was. And then my sister encouraged me to start going out to an, a weekly open mic night and we were playing together. Um, she plays cello, which if you don't know this is a really good hack for how to start a band. If you just have a cello, it sounds amazing. And it was a really great way to also just to, to get us going because we had this weekly open mic and we tried to have a new song every week because it was basically the same like 15 people every week and since we were writing kind of comedic music it kind of gets old you don't want to play the same song every week so we, we would write a new song every week for this open mic and then eventually we started getting booked and realizing we needed more songs and so we started writing songs for the internet as well as a way to just motivate ourselves to create more stuff so we we started a weekly song a week project on YouTube inspired by people like They Might Be Giants and Jonathan Colton who have done these weekly song a week kind of projects. And from there, we started getting a bit of an internet following, which was really cool. This was back in 2011. And that blossomed into a, a world of beginning to do shows and beginning to have people follow us on Twitter and, and beginning to want to record an album. And all this while, I was working as a newspaper reporter where I became very obsessed with communication. <laughs> um, you know, like everybody has a bunch of aspects to themselves, right? And the thing that I was super obsessed with was being able to be in to stay in touch with people. So as a newspaper reporter, one of my jobs was to write 
three, I had to write two to three newspaper articles a day. And so I had to constantly, yeah, it was about like architecture and stuff. And my main job was like, I have to find people and I have to interview them. And so I have to be able to get in touch with them. And so when we started the band, one of the main things I wanted to do is be like, I want to be able to always stay in touch with our fans. So as soon as they discover us, I want to never lose touch with them. So when we started our YouTube channel, I made it so that people could join our mailing list as soon as they like, as soon as we posted a song, they could download it for free as long as we got their email address. And um, whenever they, you know, discovered us on Twitter, we were like, okay, awesome, great. How do we capture you so we never lose you? <laughs> like, a, like a Pokemon. Um, hmm. And then, and then a couple a couple of years later, we we decided we were gonna make our first album. We did kind of our own DIY crowdfunding for it, where we set up a pre-order, put a, put together a little a few packages where people could like buy the CD and like a, a a shirt with like a custom like membership number on it according to how early they had discovered the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my husband was number three, I think. <laughs> And then we put that out and, and, and that was really successful. And then um, in 2014, we launched our first Kickstarter, uh, asked for $18,000 to make the first album with, an ex- with a different producer. And uh, that was, and we, we made $80,000 and we were both able to quit our jobs, become a full-time band. So that's how the double clicks got started. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I really, that idea to have like the custom, like the number on the, the merchandise is really cool to really reward the people or to have like the number in place of when they discovered you. And man, I bet that, that moment that $80,000 in the Kickstarter campaign and you were able to say, wow, like we can actually do this full time, which has been an amazing moment. It was um, wild. It was like so exciting. My sister literally spilled an entire glass of water on her laptop. <laughs> And it was like, well, there goes some of the money. <laughs> you know, that happens. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, no, yeah was, that's like awesome. one of those things that you yeah. always need to budget for in the in the Kickstarter campaign. It's like, you know, computer breaking down because we spill water on it. That's happened twice on for clients of mine. People just, I don't know what it is about running a crowdfunding campaign, but you're definitely going to spill an entire like Diet Pepsi into your laptop keyboard. So just keep that in mind. So from that uh, crowdfunding campaign, I found myself completely unable to stop thinking about how Kickstarter works. And people were constantly asking us for advice, like, how did you do this thing? Or like they would launch a crowdfunding campaign and it wouldn't go anywhere and they'd ask us for advice. And so I was like, well, what did make us successful? I'm thinking about that a lot. And we launched another campaign and it was successful for the next album we wanted to make. And we did that again. And eventually I started helping our friends launch their own campaigns. And then I started a consulting business where I could help even more people launch their own campaigns and came up with kind of a program that took all the lessons that I've learned from all of those things to make a crowdfunding campaign that is going to be successful because of all the work you do beforehand, not just launching it. And there's work beforehand as all of those things, those obsessive weird things that I talked about makes a campaign successful, but it's one of my favorite things. It, it makes me very, very happy. That's so awesome. And yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like I can understand what you mentioned briefly there about like, you can't just put it out and then just hope that like everything is going to work. It's not like a build it and they will come necessarily kind of thing, but it's the, the analogy that I usually think of with, with an artist like releasing their music on Spotify or something is that it's kind of like starting a fire. And even if you just have the logs for the fire and you put them on the fire, nothing happens unless you know how to like drive traffic and drive and you generate flames for it. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about 
you know, Kickstarter, what would you say are kind of the biggest benefits behind Kickstarter and, and what's your perspective on why anyone should consider even like, you know, creating a Kickstarter? I love Kickstarter. Thank you very much for this, my favorite question. Uh, the Kickstarter is not familiar. It's a, it's a system where people can come and pledge for a project. You set a goal like $10,000. If you, if I make $10,000, I get to make this album. And if you don't raise $10,000, you don't get any money. And that means that album isn't going to get made. But what it basically is, is this like beautiful, like leap of faith towards like, I believe this art is awesome and that there's an audience for it and it deserves to be created. And I think that, and if you believe that too, then it can exist. And so Kickstarter is sort of this world where art can exist that would never otherwise exist. So it's a world where like maybe your stuff is too weird or too different or too specific or, or just that you, you know, you're not huge enough yet, or you have your, you and your audience want to exist outside a world of gatekeepers. You can still make something. And I think that's amazing. Like, for example, my band, we write weird songs about like dinosaurs and cats and queer identity and like being a non-binary and having a lot of anxiety and like board games. Like that's my whole thing. And I just like, that's just who I am and what I do. And we have a cello and a ukulele and it's fine. Like we don't ever try to change who we are and we'd be, we are super honest about it. And we lean into the things that make us unique. And that is one of the things that makes us so successful on Kickstarter is that we can lean into the uniqueness of us. And the people who work at Kickstarter really embrace that as well. Like they love the idea of like, just be your weird self <laughs> and that's great. So that's one of the things I love about crowdfunding. But even if you you aren't like, if you don't think you're a super weirdo, it's great because you can work directly with your community and your community can be part of creating the art that you wanna make. It's also, you get to launch your, your art, your album with excitement. You basically get like, you know, 20 to 30 days of a pre-order campaign for your album that has this kind of built in like thermometer of fundraising of a, like a system for you to tell stories about your album and people are get excited and they like get excited about the track names and they get excited about like I just we just we just kickstarted a musical earlier this year and people are like excited about the characters and excited about the song for this album that they haven't even heard yet but they like know more about it than I do because it's been on Kickstarter and my fans are just like yeah I'm psyched about it like they, people love being excited about new things especially now when they just like we want to support something positive you know and that's it's really cool because your community gets to be excited about something with you for a full month. And I think especially right now where like albums don't have a long cycle of excitement, Kickstarter gives them an opportunity to have that moment to really be exciting. And also if you finagle it right through the right channels, it gives you a chance to like have a whole bunch of pre-orders for an album in a world where people don't actually buy albums they like go on spotify so like we've been able to top the billboard comedy charts and break the digital albums charts and and indie charts and folk charts in a world where my band perhaps wouldn't be able to do that without kickstarter so it's, it's really really cool and you get to control all of it and that's another thing that i really love like obviously you have to do all the work because you are the indie artist unless you you know assemble a team but nobody gets to tell you what to do it's just you and your community and as a person who 
loves to control things, but also loves to just like make the art that I want to make. Kickstarter is, is really ideal for me in that way. <laughs> that was such a good answer. You're just oh, thank you. <laughs> ex- exuding, exuding love um, for, for Kickstarter. So to, uh, to kind of recap what, what I was hearing there is that one, you know, Kickstarter is just a beautiful platform that allows you to rely on yourself. You don't have to rely on, you know, kind of changing who you are. You can really lean into your uniqueness and be able to really connect with your community in a direct and authentic way that without Kickstarter or without you know any crowdfunding campaigns like that could be really difficult to do. And then two, I really like this idea that you brought up, the, the fact that it's almost like a teaser or like it's like a pre thing leading up to your release that really builds excitement for it even before it's out. And there is something really powerful about the, the anticipation that can, be, that can be built up around something uh, before it actually happens. I know like for, for me, I'm like a, a geek and I, and I love video games and there's been plenty yeah. of times where there's a new video game that's like coming out in like a week and that week leading up to it it's like i spent so much time like like watching the previews and like kind of like digging into it i was like ah, i want this to be out now <laughs> and so yeah and so it sounds like with kickstarter it kind of has a built-in you know, way to kind of generate some of that anticipation and so people are really digging in and getting involved with the artwork even before it's happened and it kind of gives you this co-creative collaborative way that you can connect with your audience and they can they can really you know support you and you can take this leap of faith together that's awesome so what would you say is i know you've worked with a lot of artists at this point who are running kickstarter campaigns you've seen quite a few campaigns succeed in a big way and you've seen quite a few probably fail and and fail is kind of a strong word but you know they didn't reach their goal so what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen when it comes to like artists getting started and, and running kickstarter campaigns i think there are a few different ways that people can approach kickstarter that are maybe not the way that I just described, that kind of will make you hit hit a wall. One of them is sometimes people just say, okay, Kickstarter, that's where you go to get money for your thing. Or, okay, I should make a thing and so I should go to Kickstarter. And so when you approach it in like in that way where maybe you think that money just comes out of Kickstarter and you don't have your community already, that's a mistake because it is a, a place to go with your community to fundraise, not a place to go to find your community. You need to do the work ahead of time. And also Kickstarter is, is really a place where you should know why you're doing what you're doing. And it shouldn't be like, okay, I think I should spend $50,000 to make my EP hiring this really expensive producer because that's what everybody else I went to music school is doing. Or, or that's what, you know, that's what this one guy told me I should do. Like, you should really do what you're doing because you love it. And it's all about like what you truly believe in because the Kickstarter audience and your audience when they're crowdfunding with you really has to be in this world of like authenticity and community as opposed to like a commercial world of this is what I think is going to work or this is what I think is going to sell. So for both of those things, I would say like, that's why the, the first thing that I have anybody who works with me do is create a mission statement. Sounds pretty dorky. And like me 10 years ago would be rolling their eyes like, oh, what? But it's, 
it's one of those things that I've found like usually like three meetings into a conversation, I figure out what somebody really cares about. It's like, I see what you, you actually want to do is like what you actually care about is changing the way people think about marimba or like, you know, you want to make people happy. You want to, or you want to, you want an album you can sell on tour or you want, uh, you want to be able to support your children. Like whatever it is that you actually care about doing, um, that should be what you bring to Kickstarter. It shouldn't be like, well, I am doing it because I think I should be doing it or I'm just going here because I want to get a bunch of money. Like neither of those things work. So the, the approach is really important, I would say. I have so many other pieces of advice, but that's, I think, the, the main one that I see when like a page is up and people come to me and they're like, my, my Kickstarter isn't working. I only have one backer. What's wrong? Can you fix it? It's like, nah, it's way too late. <laughs> right. Um, the main problem. Yeah, that to- totally makes sense. So, so it sounds like you know one of the biggest challenges that that you see uh, people struggling with is, or maybe mistakes, is, is that maybe they haven't built a community beforehand, and they're sort of relying mm-hmm. on Kickstarter. They think that that's kind of be their place where they kind of get discovered, and that's not necessarily the the proper use case for Kickstarter. It sounds like Kickstarter is most powerful when you do have, at least for like, as, as an artist, you've built a really great connection with a community of people. And so that's, that's one thing you mentioned. And the other thing is just having the wrong mindset around it in general, and maybe kind of focusing a little bit too much on the commercial aspect of in thinking about it in a way where it's like just about making money, just like about collecting money for the project, as opposed to really looking at it as a way to connect with your community and to create artwork for them. So yeah, how big of an audience would you recommend? And I know that this is a tricky question because it's not necessarily the size of the audience. You know, it's also about the connection with them and, and, and a lot of different factors. But when is it the right time for someone to look at Kickstarter? That's a super good question. And, and, and obviously, you know that you say, like, you know, the answer is like, it's super depends. But like, because I truly believe like anybody can launch a successful Kickstarter depending on how much money you want, because like, maybe you want $100 and maybe you want $100,000. Those are two different projects. It depends on what you want to do. And any project is totally legit. Like if you want to do like a $2,000 project just to be able to print 50 CDs, that's awesome. And like, that is a really cool product that will get that amount of fans like really excited to be part of it. I, I've put together a couple calculators and I'll put that in the package that we can send out to your crowd. Basically, you need you need to figure out, I've done, I've done a lot of work on this because you need to figure out what your goal is and like what your goal really is. Not just like, I want to make as much money as possible, but like, what is your goal? Like, what do you really need to do with this project? And then how much can you actually raise with your audience? And do those things match each other? And if they don't, then let's make sure we can get your audience to that size. So if your goal is like, I really want to make a really amazing album and I know it's going to cost $15,000, then you need to have an audience that's big enough to, <laughs> to get to that point. And 100% of the audience doesn't need to come from your existing audience. Like some people will, if you have a successful project, add on because they will see a successful project and like join it. But I would say you want to make sure that your project is going to have the momentum before you you launch it. But there are, there's definitely like 
some calculations you can do that are like literal math that I've done <laughs> um, that I'll, I'll put this together in, in a packet for anybody who's listening that you want to do before you launch just to make sure, because it's not like going to be a hundred percent of your audience that backs the project, obviously. And they're not all going to give you a hundred dollars and they're not all going to give you $5, but you can kind of predict where your audience is going to fall. And you can do that by like looking at other projects with similar bands in your genre and seeing not just how cool the Kickstarter page is, but like where their audience size was when they launched and stuff like that. But it's okay if your first project isn't like an $80,000 project, your first project could be $5,000 and that's super great. Like that gets your audience excited and you might use that project to build momentum for the next thing. Hmm. Awesome. Not a number, but you know, (laughs) I have numbers that I could give you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. I'm a, like I said, I was a weird kid in high school that liked math. So I, I love math. I love the calculations. And that's, I appreciate yeah. you sharing that with everyone watching. And what we'll do to make it as, as simple as yeah. possible is we'll just include it in a link or something that you'll be able to see and go directly so that you can you can get the, the packet with the super cool yeah. calculations. So you can see because- Oh, I have spreadsheets. I got everything. <laughs> You're going to be like, that's laser is in there. They are such a weirdo. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Michael, we are not so different. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're both, we're both spreadsheet fans. I can, I can tell. Cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it sounds like, you know, while there, there's, it depends, but there is sort of like a predictive framework and you do, you don't want to aim really high if you don't have an, like any sort of audience at all. And then, you know, feel embarrassed if, if you don't, um, if you don't come close to your goal. And so it is nice to have a little bit of an idea of, you know, what, maybe what could you be aiming for? But it sounds like also what you're saying is that there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer in terms of like the size of the Kickstarter campaign that you can get started and if it's $500 or, you know, $5,000 or $50,000, then it's not really a right or wrong way to do it. It's just about kind of finding out where you're at right now and getting started from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the audience, the size of your audience will affect it. And also being able to access your audience. Like if you're the kind of band who tours a lot, but you don't have a mailing list or you don't like actually, people don't actually follow you on social media or like don't actually know how to get your information and you don't know how to get that information for you. This is like my obsessive uh, contacting thing. Like that's so important for crowdfunding. You need to be able to like tell people that you just launched a project. So important. I have the data on that. You've got to know. And then you need Mm -hmm. to have the audience that not just big, but like also that actually cares about you in a genuine way because the crowdfunding audience is audience that's putting faith in you, right? They're like actually kind of investing in you in a way, like emotionally and like monetarily. So they have to care. They can't just be like a bunch of people, like 5 million people that you got from a Facebook ad or something like that. They actually have to care and actually want you to succeed. So that's why like being super genuine and sharing like the unique weirdo parts of yourself is so important. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. 
And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. So another thing that you mentioned that is really important that sometimes people struggle with is uh, creating like a, a mission statement or kind of having a clear purpose behind why they're launching the campaign. Could, could you speak a little bit more to that and specifically like, you know, what are a few things that someone could do to sort of reflect and, and come up with that for themselves in a way that makes it, because it sounds like, you know, for you, um, communication is something that you've really mastered in your life and, and you really are passionate about the act of being able to communicate. And, and I and also want to like reiterate what you said too about having a contact list, like an email list, because that is a mistake that I see <laughs> a lot is is just not having that at all. And the analogy that, that we use for it is that it's like, you, if you're doing all these shows or you have, I don't know, some exposure come in, it's kind of like, it's like a storm and it's like, it's raining outside and it's all storming. But if you're just sitting out there holding out your hands, then as soon as the storm passes, then you know, most of the rain just kind of goes in the ground. You can't do anything with it. But if you have some sort of rain catcher or like a funnel, then you can capture that rain and then you can, boom, you can turn around and then you can stay connected with those people and then you can build a relationship with them. And then when you have a Kickstarter campaign, it's not the, the kind of thing where two or three years later, they're like, oh, that's interesting. I thought they were, you know, I didn't know that they did a Kickstarter campaign, but you're actually able to, to reach reach those people. I'm sorry, I went on like a little yeah. bit of a tangent there because I like oh, <laughs> that I analogy no, with, the, very... with the rain. Yeah. Um, in terms of examples of mission statements um, yeah. and, and like how to build it, I would say I tell people to do two. One is like, what is the mission statement of your art? So for example, the mission statement of my art is we take things that make us angry and then make songs that when you repeat them, make you happy, <laughs> um, which is very specific to us, but makes sense when you, when you do it. I've had artists where the song, like literally one of my, one of my clients, their statement was they want to change the way people think about marimba, which was amazing. I love that very much. People want to make classical music more accessible to a wider range of people who haven't been educated on the concept of classical music. They want to, you know, make people, you know, make people cry with the beauty of their words. They want to, you know, make people rock out and lose themselves for a moment, whatever that mission statement is for the art. And then the second mission statement is for like the project, right? So the mission statement for that project might be like, I want an album that can make my business sustainable for the next year because I will have a CD that I can sell on tour. Or I want an album that will be so good that I can pitch myself to radio stations and the classical music gatekeepers. Or I want something that exemplifies the best of what my music is right now. Or maybe I just want something that shows, I just want to collect as many of my songs as possible in one place. You know, like whatever it is that you like really need to do right now. There are so many different things that a project can be. I mean, a project could just be like, I want to 
spend as much time as possible with my community, or I want to make something that builds my community as big as possible. These are all things that I've seen and they're all completely different. They look completely different as projects, right? Cause like, if your idea is like, I want a album that makes my songs sound as polished as possible, that's a lot more expensive in the production end than I want a, pro a project that is something that helps my band sustain ourselves for a year because we're going on tour. Cause like that album, could be something that you record at your house for $2,000 and then you can sell it on tour and all the rest of the Kickstarter money goes directly to you. Whereas the, you know, the expensive album that is supposed to be super polished is like might cost $12,000 to record and you don't get any money. Like if those are both projects that raise $20,000, like the budget looks totally different and the result is extremely, extremely different. And, and, it, it's something that a lot of, it just really, it really affects every single decision that you make in the Kickstarter and also how broke you're going to be at the end of it. So it's a really important thing to think about because if you're running things on your own, you, you don't realize like a Kickstarter could be a thing that makes you money and that makes you an independent musician like full time, or it could be something that um, employs a lot of other people and gets you a really cool final product, but doesn't actually make you money. Um, and, and so knowing what your actual goal is is so important from the very beginning and it not only it does it affect like your your budget but it also affects like your rewards like how much time do you want to spend fulfilling things do you want to have like a reward where people can pay 200 dollars for you to cover their favorite song because that's awesome but it also might take a ton of time for you to do like we had spent six months covering songs for people which wow. was really fun um and it, you know it was a job but it, it was like well we certainly aren't writing songs right now so like there's just all kinds of stuff that that mission statement affects Mm, awesome. So, so it sounds like really the mission statement is, is beneficial for, you know, the campaign succeeding, but it's also really beneficial for, for you and kind of clarifying, you know, what's the real goal of the project. And one mistake that, that sometimes people can make is just totally forgetting about themselves and just, and maybe just focusing and fundraising for, for the money. And then there's nothing left over or, or maybe with the different tiers that they offer, it's like, over delivering like a ton of stuff without realizing like, oh man, like I'm going to spend the next six months recording all these cover songs. Would you recommend, I mean, and I guess, yeah, it depends on, on the project and, and what your goal is specifically, but, but it sounds like um, that's just maybe something to take, to take into account uh, for anyone that's, you know, considering doing a Kickstarter is really thinking about how much time is it really going to take you to fulfill all these different things and, and how much, what are you expect, exactly trying to raise the money for? Actually, this is one thing I'm just kind of curious about is, and I'm sure you get this question all the time um, from, from people you're working with is, you know, what should we include for the tiers? What should the rewards be? And, and how should we structure those? So what are some general tips or advice you'd have for people? And like, are there any like, that you know, like, it's like a guarantee, like always include this every single time. And are there, are there any kind of cool ones that you're like, oh, like this works really well. This is a great one for people to include. Yes. Well, first of all, a great one to include is a digital discography tier. If this is not your first album, putting a digital discography tier is great. So that's like my whole back catalog, including like demos and, you know, previous CDs, everything is great because if it's digital, then it's 
free to fulfill. We, we put those out like at the 50 or $80 level or something like that. And digital rewards in general are awesome on Kickstarters because you don't have to ship them. Shipping is going to be a huge thing um, once you get into Kickstarter. And, and they're like a high, high price reward. It's really great because you'll have some people who come into a Kickstarter who have never bought any of your stuff before because they've always listened on Spotify or they actually haven't heard of you, but their friends are posting about it or whatever. And uh, yeah, digital discography is just like $80 of profit right there, which is awesome. And people get to listen to all your music, which is amazing. But in general about uh, rewards, what I tell people is don't think so much about the things like people get really caught up in like I've a, a sticker I need to make a sticker and a keychain and a shirt and a sweatshirt and a cup and a whatever think about the different price points and the people at those price points like if you can imagine like a specific fan at you know the $10 30 50 75 150 300 and a thousand like who are those specific fans and then like, or fewer than those numbers, but craft something cool for them, but try to keep it super simple because it doesn't need to be really complicated. You don't need to make a bunch of different things. A Kickstarter, it really doesn't, for the most part, matter what you're getting. They're here to support you and they're here to be excited about whatever you're excited about. So whether your $50 level is like one shirt and a CD, or one shirt and a vinyl, or one shirt and digital, whatever. Or it's like a shirt, and I got you a cool sticker, and I got you a hat, and I got you a thing. Like those two things are going to sell exactly equally well um, because these people, it's just like, okay, this is a band that I like, and I wanna give them $50. That fan doesn't necessarily care about the difference between those two things. So find something really cool and elegant and keep it simple. Something that I found is really powerful is like a really cool package at like the $250, $300 level. That genuinely does matter. We've done a couple things where like that is thematically related to the album. We did one album called The Book Is Better, which was all about like disconnecting from the internet. So it was like a package of things where you opened it and there was a velvet bag and you put your phone in the bag and it was all just like stuff you had to do without your phone. <laughs> so it was like a, one of those old like disposable cameras and a box, a, a book of crossword puzzles that we'd made and like a rock you could hit open with a hammer that had a crystal inside, like, like that kind of stuff was the package that you could get at, at 250. So that might be a cool idea for a, a reward is like a cool package at that level. Make sure when you design a shirt, and this is like, just good advice that you everyone should know but that it looks good like a lot of people um, have this tendency to just like okay i have a friend who's an artist um i'm gonna hire them and just like make a shirt and whatever i don't know uh hiring artists is hard there are so many amazing artists in the world there are a few really really cool uh places to find them on the internet there's a directory called drawing while black there's a hashtag called visible women on the internet where you on twitter where you can go find amazing artists that will make you a shirt that is not only cool related to your band but just like a shirt that people want to wear or an enamel pin oh gosh i didn't even mention enamel pins enamel pins are amazing you don't have to do sizes you want the design to be something that people will buy even if it had nothing to do with your band so Please, for the love of all that is holy, get a good design for your merch. 
<laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. No, that, that that's, that's really good. There's there's something about gosh, what is it? I forget what the name of it is, but I think it's kind of like owner's bias, basically. Where if we kind of if we're the ones that create something, then we tend to think that it's like better than it is, kind of because because we're biased. Yeah. And I think the same that really applies a lot to like if we're not a graphic artist, and then we like pull up Microsoft Paint and then like create something where like this is awesome when it's like uh, you know maybe a professional yeah. who you know could, could create that a little better. There are so many amazing artists in this world and they all are underemployed and you can just hire them. They're so great. I art direct all of my husband's projects. He's right on the other side of this wall. He does a lot of Kickstarters too because I'm just like you don't know enough good artists and it's so easy to find somebody who makes exactly what you want. So just like Troll through those hashtags, drawing with black, visible women. I mean, there are a million ha good hashtags on Twitter and you'll find like exactly the style you're looking for and exactly the thing you want. And like, just hire somebody who's amazing and it's not that expensive and you will sell a billion more pieces of merch. <laughs> a billion with a B. A, exactly, a, exactly a billion more pieces of merch and I guarantee <laughs> I've got the stats. That's exactly one billion. Exactly. Well, one thing I wanted to come back to because I, I didn't quite understand what you said was um, yes. Instead of t-shirts, said what enamel enamel pins. Enamel pins. Yeah. Enamel do you, pins. Do you do enamel, enamel pins? What yeah. are enamel pins? I don't oh yet, gosh. but it's not, but it, like your enthusiasm makes me think like I uh, probably do uh, want can I these. Can I grab one? Can I? Yeah. Do you have a second for me? To, okay. Uh, this is an enamel pin. It says "sensitive badass" on it. I don't know if it's gonna focus, but this is one from my band, designed by Megan Murphy. We have done, I think, four reprintings of this pin because we keep selling out of them. We did a Kickstarter specifically to reprint this pin. This is another one from another Kickstarter I ran of a little of Lucia Fasano on a Ooh, unicorn cat, whoa. which is amazing. That's cool. If you aren't on the enamel pin game. So how much does yeah. one of those cost to like to fulfill? To fulfill? Okay. Well, they cost between one and two dollars to print and okay. between one and two dollars to ship. Oh, that's um, so good for that. Then that's super cool too. Yeah. And then wow. and you you can sell them for fifteen to twenty dollars. They're they're great. And and like I said, you don't have to print different sizes of them, which is really awesome. And at least in our audience, they are becoming very popular. But our audience is like hipster women and queer folks between the ages of 18 and 30. So maybe that's a slightly different crowd than you have, but highly recommend enamelings. Heck yeah. I, I like it a lot. In fact, I mean, that's something that I'm probably going to introduce to our community of, of artists that we're working with is like, hey, this is a cool merch idea. Try this out. See what happens. Because that's that's great. So it's a few dollars to, to print them and fulfill them. And it looks super cool. And it's a nice collectible kind of thing. And I convinced so, the presidents of the United States of America to do enamel pins on their latest Kickstarter. I was just like, no, you have to do it. I just kept yelling at them until they did it. And they were like, we did it. And we don't regret it. Thank you very nice. much. Nice. Cool. So to kind of recap, to, to bring everything that you just brought back in and, and do a quick summary of it, in terms of rewards, yeah. you mentioned that one way of looking at it that, that sometimes people don't, don't realize is that the stuff isn't nearly as important as the people that you're creating it for. And that a lot of times it's not even necessarily like the things aren't necessarily the reason that they're going to be supporting you for your, your artwork yeah. on Kickstarter. It's, it's really because they have connected with you and they want and they want to support you. And so keeping it as simple and elegant and streamlined as possible is great as opposed to like 
overcomplicating and, and, and kind of creating all these you know cra crazy different um, things. It's not really about the stuff. And one thing to keep in mind as well, it sounds like, is that anything that's super easy to fulfill is great to consider, especially like at the end, you know, if you do a $50,000 crowdfunding campaign, you have all this stuff to ship out, then that's something that um, is really important to really prioritize things that, that are valuable, but are also easy to, to fulfill. For example, the, the idea that you gave was like a $60 digital deluxe or like a, a discography, like the entire complete edition, which is really cool. Then things like the uh, enamel pins, because the, those you don't necessarily have to um, create all these different <laughs> sizes for, you just have the one, one size for the enamel pin. What do you say is kind of the upper, the upper range, you know, like the high, the higher ticket things on the Kickstarter, how important are those? And what are some things that you see working really well for, for things at that higher level? Yeah, I mean that that is that comes back to a little bit to the discussion of like making sure that you are budgeting your time well because it's very easy to sign yourself up for too many custom things. So, but there's there's a balance between making sure you have stuff there for people who might buy it, and then also not having so many high level rewards that are never purchased, and you kind of look like you're like, well, I don't know, maybe somebody will give me five thousand and ten thousand and twenty thousand, yeah, like you look a little bit out of touch. So let me tell you some things that we have done and how they went, and perhaps you can learn from this lesson. Our first Kickstarter, we did a $300 level where you could buy, you could request a cover song. Those were really fun. It actually, we learned a lot from it because it was back in the day, which is still kind of this case, where I didn't really know how to play guitar very well, and I was still kind of learning how to songwrite and so I was like learning a lot of songs which is like it's a really good way to learn how to write music is like let's cover this song by The Cure let's cover the song by ELO and like learn a whole lot about song structure and all of this stuff but it did mean that you know for a full six months all we were doing was covering songs and we kept adding more of those it because they were selling so well and we just wanted to make as much money as possible, which is a super easy thing to get carried away with when you're running a Kickstarter is like, stretch goals, stretch goals, stretch goals. Let's just keep going until we climb the mountain of making as much money as possible. And then you get stuck in the hole that we did where you, you run out of money, you spend the money on whatever, but you still have to keep fulfilling all these rewards that you promised you were going to do. So don't recommend that. Don't get carried away with stretch goals. Make your plan ahead of time. Set yourself a hard limit and trust your past self on why you made those limits. What we do now for like that high level reward is we have a, um, we have a reward where you can play a game of D&D &D with us. So like five people get together in either LA or Portland and we all hang out and we have pizza and we play a game of Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> um, which is really fun, really good custom reward for us because we have like a portion of our audience that's definitely in that zone. We know we have like some techie nerds. Um, and again, that's like about knowing your audience that want to do that. And we have a really good time doing it. So that's a, a recommended thing. Like what kind of community thing can you do? Some people offer house concerts. You really have to know your audience to know whether that's going to work. Like sometimes those work. Um, more often than not, nobody buys those, but sometimes they do. Some people offer uh, executive producer credit that sometimes like their name goes in the, the liner notes and that sometimes sells. Like I was saying, the like, you know, $300 cool deluxe box package works pretty well. 
just try to figure out what kind of time you actually want to dedicate to it and actually schedule it on your calendar before you launch your project and limit those rewards because you can limit how many. Awesome. Well, one thing I kind of got from from just from watching, looking at your example and some of the things that you described was it really came out of the fact that you really know your audience well and you know who you are and, and some of the things that make you unique. Like you said, you lean into them. And so like the D&D game where people get to come hang out and play D&D, that's awesome. Like that sounds like fun. Like, you know, it, so and so maybe one way one way to think about it too for, for people is just like it, can, it sounds like all the different things that you that you create like you're genuinely really excited about them and like there's something that you think is fun and and that probably really plays a big it probably makes a big impact on on people like because it's not just about the the stuff that they're getting but it's about the experience and about like you know the the energy behind it and so it sounds like a few of those those higher ticket things that, that people could consider and, and one one thing for them to take into account too is just like again don't put themselves like in a I don't want to say like a jail cell, but like, you know, to over, yeah. over deliver and, and everything takes you know, like, it might take a lot longer. And after the money comes in and you invested in the songs, you know, you could be doing this for a year out um, if, if you don't structure it right. So you're really thinking about what can you actually deliver and scheduling out beforehand and, and holding yourself to it so that well, if you're feeling tempted after you launch it to kind of add more to stretch your goals and maybe really considering is that something we can really we can really maintain we did a we did a thing that's reminding me that, that we did a thing on i think it was our patreon last year where we if people backed at like the highest level we, we said we will call you on your birthday and sing you a song and your birthday is july 14th <laughs> um so we called every we're just like we don't want to keep track of your birthdays we are going to call you on this day and we called i think it was like five people and we called them all in a row because uh, we don't even live in the same city, so we had to be together, and it was great. They were all, and we were like, "So, how's your birthday? You going to birthday dinner? How's it going?" And they were all like, "Yep, it's my birthday." Uh, it was fine. It was like we wrote them little birthday songs, and like it was really silly. But like, you can totally control your own boundaries, and like, and people get it. Um, I think a lot of bands are are a lot of musicians I work with are very concerned about pleasing their fans and making sure that they are like they're just constantly like supplicating themselves to their fans and like am i doing enough am i pleasing you am i like i can never be i can't be happy i have to make them happy and it's like just set your boundaries people really respect that and are totally like they totally understand and they want you to be happy i mean they're fans of you right so just set your own boundaries and and people love it it's great i i love that piece of advice yeah, yeah so it sounds like yeah. it really just make sure that if you're just transparent, you know, if you're transparent with yourself and, and with your fans, then, you know, they'll, they want to support you. That's why, that's why they're your fans. Cool. Well, Laser, thank you again so much for taking the time to be here today. This has been super valuable, but, uh, you know, before, yeah. before we wrap up, I, I know you mentioned that, um, you had created sort of a, a goodie, a goodie pack for anyone that's watching this right now. Yes. Calculator. So could you tell us a little bit more about what you created for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I put something together for uh, your folks specifically, which is going to have, I'll put that calculator in there, which where you can put in like kind of where, where your audience is now, how much I think you can raise on, on Kickstarter, which will be a range, um, and then how to grow uh, your audience, like what makes a good Kickstarter audience, and also like 
a timeline of you know how many weeks and months it takes to build a, a, a Kickstarter and the whole checklist that goes up to banking the Kickstarter. So like every step of the way, when you need to make rewards, when do you need to hire artists, when you need to make your promotion plan, when you have to submit things, all of that stuff. It's a whole lot, but when you put it into like a really beautiful checklist and a fillable PDF, which is my boyfriend um it's 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 not that hard so it'll be a good uh a good 20 pages of excellent content for you that um will be i guess in the description of this and also at success.lasercampaigns.com and uh yeah i hope you i hope you enjoy it i'll throw some discount codes in there as well for if anybody wants to uh, check out the courses that i make and i really appreciate you having me here because this is i really like what you do you you impress me every day so thank you so much for having me <laughs> well as someone who's been very impressed um with, with you uh for, throughout this interview I, I appreciate that and thank you again for taking the time to to be here and uh one million dollars of successful kickstarters for for the artists that you're working with you know that's the numbers the numbers don't don't lie and and i really appreciate you just you know sharing all this and you know as musicians you know we, we really you know this is a big need for a lot of us i think is that we need someone like you to kind of sharing um sharing these examples so that we can continue to create artwork in a sustainable way so really appreciate you being here and sharing all that and for the awesome goodie pack that you just created we'll make sure that we'll have it in the description a link that people can click on and yeah you're awesome awesome thanks hey it's michael here i hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today and if you want to support the podcast then there's a few ways to help us grow First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.